in Christ alone. Amen? In Christ alone, that's right. So we're looking at James uh, this morning, 1 through 4, one of my favorite books, and we'll get in a little bit to why this morning as we get there, but uh, if you'll join me in that reading. James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, the 12 tribes and the dispersion, greetings. Consider it a great joy, my brothers, whenever you experience various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Then verse 4, but endurance must do its complete work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. So that's how James starts his letter off. Not much, hi, how you doing? Not much, here's how things are going. It's, what's up? I'm James. You know who I am. I'm the half-brother of Jesus. And bam, let's jump right into it. And he jumps right into one of the more difficult things we have to deal with in this life, which is how do you endure the difficulties, the trials of life. He goes right into it, and he says to consider it great joy. Consider it great joy. And whenever I, whenever I study the book of James, one reason that it is one of my favorite books is because I, I've stepped back, I step back and I think, and I've told some of you this before, I've definitely told the students this before, what would it take for your brother to convince you that he's your Lord, that he's your God, that he's your Savior, that he is the Messiah. Obviously, James didn't think that during Jesus' life. i tell you what it took. It took Jesus saying, I'm going to die, and in three days, I'm going to come back to life. And then after he did that, then James started following his brother, not as his brother anymore, but as his Lord and as his Savior. And then James gets in this, he says, consider. It's a key word in verse 2, consider it great joy. Consider, that means to think about it. So for this to be a great joy, it has to be a mindset. It's a choosing. We have to choose how we experience the things we go through. We don't get to choose many times what we go through, but James says to consider whatever you go through, but especially the trials, consider it great joy. Have the mindset, choose to experience this with joy, knowing that testing, testing your faith purifies it. What does it mean to test? It means to purify it means to strengthen. Most of the time in Scripture when that word is used, it is used in the, in the sense of like purifying gold, purifying silver, burning away the impurities, getting rid of things that aren't supposed to be there. So becoming what it is supposed to be, not the other stuff, just the gold. Not the other stuff that we're supposed to have in our character, just what we're supposed to have. So it's about developing our character. If we will consider, choose to experience it this way, then we can consider it great joy. It's kind of like this, and you guys know that I love to use um, athletic metaphors. That's what most of my life has been about. It's kind of like this, the first day of basketball. Now, I never actually played high school basketball, but I've been around it, and as a coach, I, I definitely saw this from afar very often. The first day of basketball, there's always a lot of guys or girls that come out for the basketball team. A lot of guys and girls that think they want to play basketball, that say they want to play basketball. They want to be part of the team. They want to be part of this experience. They want to be a basketball player. How, what does the coach do often on that first and sometimes second and third day in order to make sure that these guys and gals actually want to play basketball? Somebody said it. Run. A lot. A lot. How bad do you want to play basketball? Let's find out. Baseline. Let's run. Let's test. Let's see if you actually want 
what you say you want. Let's see if you actually are who you say you are. Or I think of like the military, uh, you know, like the, the uh, Navy SEALs, right? It's become famous now because of so many movies. They go through hell week. Uh, I was listening to a Navy SEAL talk a couple of weeks ago on a podcast, and he said that, that hell week is simply just to find out how bad you actually want to be a Navy SEAL. We're getting rid of the guys that think they want to be a Navy SEAL so we can find the guys that actually want to be a Navy SEAL. It's like this. I've told, uh, I've told several of, of the guys this story before. Uh, college football, college athletics in general is, is a job. It's a full-time job along with your classes. And uh, I started playing college football the day that I turned 18. So my 18th birthday, I moved to UAM. I moved to Monticello. And uh, we moved in and all that. It was in the evening. And the next day, uh, as a college athlete, you've got a lot of regulations to go by and a lot of paperwork to fill out. And so we had meetings. We had breakfast. Then we started having meetings. And we had to fill out paperwork and do all this stuff. We hadn't even practiced yet. Hadn't even got our stuff yet. But at the end of doing all this paperwork, our coach, Coach Clarence Holly, hands out the schedule for two days. And it started at about 6.30 in the morning. And it went all the way through the day, every minute of your day detailed out, and it finished at about 10.30 at night. And it was like that for about two and a half weeks until school started. I was kind of expecting that. It wasn't very much of a surprise to me. Um, but it apparently was a pretty big surprise to the guy that was going, supposed to live next to me in the dorm room. And we come back from that meeting, we go eat lunch, and we come back to that meeting, and we're about to go get our stuff our pads and our helmets and all that, and actually have practice that evening. And the guy's got stuff in his hand coming out of his dorm room as I was coming back from lunch. And I was like, hey, what are you doing? And he had that schedule in his hand along with that other stuff. And he said, I don't want to do this that bad. And I thought, you picked a heck of a time to decide that. You just moved all your stuff in. You made your family come up here and do all this stuff. And the guy literally hadn't even practiced yet. He had only looked at what it was going to take on paper and decided, you know, I told my mom and dad I wanted to be a college football player. I told my buddies. I kind of liked the idea of being a college football player. It sounded cool. But I didn't really want to actually have to do what it takes to be a college football player. And he, he went to the house. I never saw that guy ever again. He was there for one day, and that was it. Packed up his stuff, and he said, nah, this is not for me. I'm going to the house. It's kind, of like, it's kind of like a comedian I heard this week. It was a comedian that I heard. Um, he was talking about, no offense to anyone, but he was talking about how, as an older man, that the younger generation, which he said the tw- 20-somethings, the 20s, are definitely a dumber generation than his generation. He said, I can prove it to you. Here's how I can prove it to you that it, they are a dumber generation. He started off with saying that it bothers him that they, that they use, and I say they, me, I do the same thing, use a debit card for a dollar seventeen purchase at the convenience store. He's like, you don't have a dollar and a buck in your pocket? Come on, you've got to be kidding me. And then he went on to say, here's how I can prove to you that my generation is smarter than your generation. When I was growing up, we played with guns, knives, and fireworks. That's what we were allowed to play with, things like that. He said, you want to know what happened to the dumb kids? They didn't make it. <laughs> they just didn't make it. The herd was thinned, so I'm pretty sure my generation is, is smarter than your generation. He went on for 30 minutes about that and, and made me laugh a lot. And, and, and I think about all those things, and they, that all kind of comes together, the, all those concepts. First day of basketball, running, 
you know, hell week or, or something like that in the military, just, or just basic training in general, just regular military training. You know, the, the schedule that was passed out to us, and I have no doubt after learning and, 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 and becoming close to Coach Holly that he, he definitely had that on paper that way for a reason. He was hoping to get rid of people that didn't really want to be there. You put all that together, and, and it kind of goes with what James is saying. And Well, let me back up. It doesn't go with what James is saying, but it's the result of what James is saying. James is saying that a true follower of Jesus is going to look at life the correct way. No matter what he goes through, he's going to look at it the right way. She is going to look at it the right way. They're going to experience it the way that God intends them to experience it. And those that don't will show themselves to really just kind of be talking about wanting to follow Jesus. They kind, of, they kind of talk about the church stuff, and they kind of want to clean up your morals a little bit, and they, and they want you to present well, but they don't really want to do or show or become who God is wanting them to become. It's, it's kind, of the similar, kind of the similar thing. And then James goes on and gives an example of what that would kind of be like, just a couple of verses down if you're still there in James. In James chapter 1, verse 9, he says, The brother of humble circumstances should boast in his exaltation, but the one who is rich should boast in his humiliation, because he will pass away like a flower of the field. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and dries up the grass. Its flower falls off, and its beautiful appearance is destroyed. In the same way, the rich man will wither away while pursuing his activities." And then all the stuff that's talked about in James, that's an easy thing to skip over right there because it's kind of disjointed for some other things, but he's still talking about considering it a great joy when you face trials. And he gives the example of poor versus rich, a very common example in Scripture, a very common example in their time to describe the wicked versus the, right, the, wicked versus the righteous uh, or those that are oppressed against those that are oppressing which is a major theme of James's letter in the first place. One of the main reasons he wrote this was to encourage Christians who were being oppressed by the wealthy landowners that weren't paying them their wages and were and were and just generally experiencing a very difficult time and a lot of the reason why they were experiencing that difficult time was because specifically that they were Christians. So it's a, it's an undergirding theme of the entire letter of James, but then he says it specifically here and I think there's discussion on this, but I think he's talking about Christians in both of these instances. Some people think that the, the poor person is the Christian and the rich person is not the Christian, but I don't think in the context, because we've, we've talked about that many a time, context, 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 when you're looking at Scripture. What is the context? Don't just pull it out of there and make it mean what you want it to mean. Keep it where it is and cross-reference into other things and make sure that it means what it was supposed to mean when it was said and how it was said. So I think that James is saying that these are both Christian people, the, the brother of humble circumstances, the, the, the poor Christian, and the, and, the, and the wealthy Christian, the rich Christian. I think they're both Christians in this. And he says that either one of you should experience joy, should consider it joy. If you're, if you're, if you're, if you're of poor means, understand that God's going to make you spiritually rich. And, and if you're rich... Understand it doesn't matter. Understand it doesn't matter. It's here, and it's soon gone, gone away, like the flower that's fading away in, in this life. It, it, it's, it's, so make sure that you use it well, Christian brother, whatever it is. He, he's saying that if, if you're exploited because you're poor, God has freed you from the bondage of sin. 
He's saying that if you're, if you're rich, that when your rich buddies make fun of you now because you follow this Jesus, under, understand that, that you ain't taking none of it with you when you go. He's reminding him that regardless if you're, if you're poor or if you're wealthy, if things are good or if things are bad by worldly standards, if you have the spouse you want or you don't, if your marriage worked out or if it didn't, if you're sick or if you're healthy, if you, all things, if you'll look at it, consider it from the correct mindset that Christ is testing and purifying and strengthening you into the person and the character that he desires for you to have so that he can use you the most effective way that he can. And that James goes on to say in verse 16 in a couple of verses that all good gifts come from the Father. Don't be deceived. All good gifts come from the Father that ultimately he's wanting to bring about good. He even uses Job as an example of how persevering through the difficulty, God ultimately pays that off. And he's using all these things to say, look, rich, poor, all those things. Consider it, have the proper mindset to consider it, to view it the way that God wants you to view it. Instead of viewing it as a good circumstance makes me happy and a bad circumstance makes me sad. A good circumstance, I'm ready to follow God. A bad circumstance, well, I guess God forgot about me. I guess God's not real. I guess God isn't who he says he is. He's like, he says, no, it's all for my glory, God, and for our good, being led by the loving Father. And then James reminds us in verse 12, the next verse. He says, a man who endures trials is blessed because when he passes the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. It says the crown of life. The crown there, the word there is the same word that you would use for the laurel wreath for an athlete that had won. When you win, you're going to get this crown. When you win the race, you get the crown. When you win the competition, you get the crown. When you endure the trial of life, the difficulty of life, and the good of life, properly, you get the crown. You're going to win the crown like the athlete that gets the crown, the laurel wreath around his head, the victorious athlete. And you're going to get the crown not of the world, not of prestige, not of status or fame or money or whatever else. You're going to get the crown of life. And when James uses that word life, he means real life, abundant life, eternal life, life forever in the presence of God, life that is forever nothing but joy. Not joy that we have to consider, but joy everlasting, joy like we just sang about. So, joy is a result of having a right relationship with God. That's where joy comes from. It can't be found in those other things, and Lord knows people have tried. The entire book of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes is Solomon saying, I was the wealthiest, most powerful, most pleasure-seeking, pleasure-fulfilling human being that has ever existed, and all of it means nothing unless you fear God and follow his commandments. The entire book can be summed up that way. I tried it all. All the pleasure, all the power, all the status, all the stuff, I went through the good, I went through the bad, I went through all of it. It's all meaningless unless you're following God, unless you're doing it for something besides just doing it, because it all goes away. So life eternal, real life, true life. Joy is a result of having a right relationship with God. And then so the question would be, and hopefully the obvious answer is, how do you have a right, right relationship with God? 
Christians have faith in Jesus as Savior and Lord, making them right with God. That's how you get joy. In Galatians 5.22, when you look at the fruits of the Spirit, so when you follow Jesus in faith as Savior and Lord, you're given the Holy Spirit. And the fruits of the Spirit are love, peace, and joy. It's, it's a result. In other words, the world tells you that if you'll get enough, do enough, have enough, be enough, then you'll have joy. But God says that if you'll get right with me, I'll give you joy. It'll be a result of you doing and being and becoming who I want you to be. So joy is found as a result of having a right, right relationship with God. Christians have faith in Jesus as Savior and Lord, therefore they're given joy, but also as they go through life, the more they consider what they're going through as joy, the more joy they will continue to experience because they will daily be filled with the Spirit. So, to me that means spiritually tough Christians, which are ones that actually obey, that's what I consider a tough Christian, when we actually do what God calls us to do, spiritually tough Christians experience great joy. Consider it great joy. Obey God regardless of circumstance, and you'll experience great joy. The world needs spiritually tough Christians, tough-minded, spiritually tough-minded Christians that don't act like the world when things go bad and that don't complain like the world when things go bad and that don't turn their back on what God's calling them to because it looks like it's going to be difficult because it's one more line drill. It's one more suicide drill. And Coach said we were only doing 10, but now he's making us do 11. I think I'm going to quit. That schedule looks awfully busy. I think I'll just go back to my house. This looks like too much. The world needs us to be the spiritually tough Christians that Jesus is calling us to be. Cyprian said it like this. He was an early church father that lived 200 to 258 A.D. He was eventually martyred for his faith. He was killed for his faith. And he wrote to his friend Donatus, and he said it like this. It's a bad world, an incredibly bad world. Christians were being killed left and right as he was writing this. But I have discovered in the midst of it a quiet and holy people who have learned a great secret. They have found a joy which is a thousand times better than any pleasure of our sinful life. They are despised and persecuted, but they care not. They are masters of their souls. They have overcome the world. These people are Christians, and I, Donatus, am one of them. So real quick, as we consider all those things, let's look at even in 2020. Even in 2020, because part of the way that you can increase your joy is to count your blessings, to take account of what God has done through you and through our church. Even in 2020, and why do we say it like that? Because what has 2020 been? It's been a year of disruption. It's been a year of hurt. It's been a year of lack for some people. It's been a year of isolation, which can be the most difficult thing for some people. A year of persecution. A year where the, where the American church is actually experiencing a little bit of real persecution for the first time in most anybody's life that's been alive in America ever. A year of change. 
of year of loss. Many of you, including me, have lost very close loved ones during this year, a year of death, etc., etc. Even in, in 2020, it's a mindset. Let's count our blessings. Let's consider it joy, great joy. What have we been able to do, even in this year, when everything was thrown to and fro? What has this church been able to do this year? Most of this is going to be a repeat for most of you, but let's just look at it for a minute and, and be thankful for it and let our joy increase. The first thing we did was have a summer program at a cost of about $9,000 to different individuals in this church that paid for it. We were able to feed about 1,300 kids, which ended up being about 500 families, fed them about 15,000 meals, about 240 volunteer opportunities filled by about 50 different people over 10 weeks in this summer. In a time where you weren't supposed to be around people, in a time where you weren't supposed to be exposing yourself, we had 50, a little over 50 people come here on a weekly basis just to do that. Just to do something that seemed insignificant to most, but I promise you made a large difference for those that we were able to do it for. During the year of 2020, we have built and or helped build eight wheelchair ramps. Some of my most fun times of anything I do in this church that I've ever done in this church. And we have one more on the way. And I was told this morning we actually may have two more on the way. One of those will get done probably before 2020 is out. Those seem like, that doesn't seem like a lot unless you step back and think about what it means to that person. The first one we built in Arkansas, the guy that we built it for, didn't even live much longer afterwards. But he was, he was thrilled to the point of tears because he was going to be able to get out of his house at least one more time before his life was over. That was the first one that we built. We built some for people in the church, some for people in the community, some people that, that I know, some people that we don't know. It's been a joy. Even in 2020, we've been able to build eight wheelchair ramps with one more, maybe two more on the way. Brett's the man when it comes to figuring out who needs a wheelchair ramp. What else? We've had 10 members join this church. <laughs> In a year where you can barely have church, we've had 10 people and more on the way that are planning on joining this church during this year. What else? We've had four people baptized, most of those within just the last few months. In a year of all this difficulty, we've had four people Stand in front of this church and say, I identify with that message. Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. Jesus has shed his blood for my sins. God is in charge of my life, and I'm identifying with that, and I'm being baptized this morning. Even in the year 2020, we've had that. What else? <clears throat> we've exceeded budget. Now, we're about to have a business meeting for a few minutes. That's unbelievable. There's no explanation for that other than that's what God wanted to happen. We've exceeded budget in 2020. Did you ever think you'd be so happy to be able to say that last one? We've actually had church every single week. Every single week. Somehow, some way, through a lot of people behind the scenes, we've had church every single week in 2020. Not every church can say that because of different laws, different states, different things that have taken place. We've had church every single week, and I have been more thankful for the church 
being able to meet in this year than I have any other year of my life. It was revealed to us as the privilege that it is to be able to gather. I promise you, several months ago when it was just me and Tom and Todd, that was getting old, okay? They were tired of looking at me, and I was tired of looking at them. No offense to either one of us, to any of us. We were, we were happy we were able to, to, to reach each other as little as we could. Here's something funny. When you consider it all joy, one of the people that has joined this church and was baptized in this church first started watching on Channel 3. We started doing Channel 3 because of all of this. If it hadn't have been for 2020, we wouldn't have started doing Channel 3. That person wouldn't have started watching us on Channel 3, and they wouldn't have came. They came, they've joined the church, they're baptized. They sat in my office and said, yeah, that's, that's what I want to do. I want to be baptized because I want to declare publicly that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Because we weren't having church normally. Consider it all joy. Understand that all things, all trials, all difficulties, all blessings... All good gifts, they're all for the same reason. To develop you and me into the person God wants us to be and to bring Him and Him alone glory in this world. Consider it great joy. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done through us this year. And we look forward to what He's going to do in the years to come. Amen. Um, We'll finish with a song here today. Uh, don't feel like you have to skip out if you're here as, as, a, as, a, as a guest or a visitor. If you're new, checking us out. Um, just because we're having a business meeting, we will have time for you that want to leave uh, and not be part of the business meeting after the song. So don't feel like you have to skip out. If you want to join the church, come down here and join. If you want to get saved, come down here and tell the church you want to get saved. If you want to get baptized, come down here and tell me that you want to get baptized. If you want to pray, come down here and pray. If you want to sing and just be thankful for the joy that God gives us uh, regardless of circumstance, then now would be that time also. So I'll pray for us, and then we'll finish in song. Lord, we come to you today. We thank you for the blessings that you give us in life, God, and we thank you that even through the difficulties, Lord, that the only purpose that there is in any of those things is you. We thank you that you take what seems like hopeless situations and you, and you turn them into hopeful situations. We thank you that you take situations that look like there's no good that can come out of them. And not only do you bring good, God, but you bring saving, eternal grace to individuals regularly through circumstances that we couldn't possibly understand even if you told us on the forefront of how you would do it. We thank you for that today, God. We thank you that you came and wrapped yourself in flesh so that you could take on the punishment of sin, God, and to make right, to justify your creation. You took that on yourself, God. We thank you for that this morning. We thank you for the, the, the joy and the peace that comes from knowing you as Lord and Savior. Lord, we pray that as we finish up today, that if there's any business that needs to be done with you today, God, that needs to be proclaimed in front of a church or just dealt with individually, God, regardless of whatever it is, if there's anything that needs to be done, if your spirit is working, that we would be faithful and obedient to follow that call. We love you. We praise you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.